This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. It's been said that success comes to those who wait, but I believe the opposite. Success is earned with the right attitude, the beliefs, and actions. Mix that in with faith, courage, discipline, and most importantly, a vision. You can't be afraid to succeed. I'm Brett Gilliland, and this is the Circuit of Success Podcast on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Welcome to the Circuit of Success Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today we have Joe Cross, who is an Australian entrepreneur. He's an author. He's a filmmaker. I first ran into Joe on Netflix on the uh, documentary Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead, and I'm excited to have you. Joe, how you doing, my friend? G'day, Brett. I'm great, mate. Really good. Thanks for having me on the show, mate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why don't you, uh, why don't you do us a favor here, Joe? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you've come? Uh, obviously, uh, I know the story here, and for those that have watched your documentaries, know the amazing uh, rise that you've had and, and the millions of people that you've helped across the world. So, But why don't you give our listeners a little behind-the-scenes peek at who Joe is and what's made you the man you are today. I made a movie that uh, actually has done you know surprisingly well on Netflix. It's one of their biggest uh, documentaries in the health and wellness category. It's called Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead. It uh, was released in 2011, and uh, it's been seen by around 30 million people worldwide. Netflix has had a lot to do with that. I've also made a couple of other films, Fat Sick and Nearly Dead 2, and a recent film all about our food system and how we can help our kids called The Kids Menu. So for those three movies is probably what I'm best known for. I've also written a few books, and this all started, Brett, from uh, me being 40 years of age, being 320 pounds, being loaded up on medications for a debilitating autoimmune disease that I I had for eight long years, basically from when I was like 32. And um, what I decided to do uh, was, you know, sort of quit the idea of focusing on on wealth and start to focus on health. And um, that change, while I'm... uh, abbreviating it all now it took some time for that for that to come about and and that realization well I guess the realization that I was fat sick and nearly dead that was kind of always there but it was actually on my 40th birthday that I had this sort of as Oprah would say at the aha moment and um, I, I made some big decisions that day that I would stop procrastinating and I would do something about it and uh, so the film really really captures the journey of what I did to go about um, really uh, repenting for all the crime that I had uh, had done, which was, in essence, Brett turning my turning my back on Mother Nature, on the um, on the, the the whole real live produce, the food that we're we're, pro- we're primarily. Um, we've evolved to eat and consume but I had sort of turned my back on mother nature and I was eating mostly a a, a diet which uh, I think is referred to these days as the sad diet the standard American diet even though as most of the listeners could hear I am from Australia um, grew up there so I guess that's that's how that's kind of probably the the short snappy intro as to as to who I am and and why I'm here on the show I guess Brett so, Joe, why don't you fill our listeners in? Obviously, um, you know, I've seen the show Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead on Netflix, but why don't you fill our, sh- our listeners in? I mean, you spent 60 days going through doing a juicing 
uh, diet, but I, I want to give it the best that we possibly can. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about the, the documentary and a little bit about who Joe Cross is. Well, the idea of the film came real late. Okay, so I think that's really important to understand that this was not, this was not set up to tell a story, to film it, to, to try and promote anything, which is why I really believe the movie has done so well because there was really no plan for a film at all. So I think that, you know, we as as viewers, we have this built-in sort of authentic radar that we can pick up on when we see things. We kind of know that things are real or not real. I think we're pretty good at that. And so I think that's the first point. So the, the really the thing I focus on is not really the movie. It's really the story of what I did and why I did it. Um, now, what's captured in the film is essentially a 60-day juice fast. So just consuming only the the water, if you like, that's trapped in, in plants. So inside cucumber and celery and carrot and you name any vegetable or any fruit, there's water. And if you extract that water outside of the, of the plant, you'll get a color which is either green or red or purple or yellow or orange, depending on the, on, on the plant. And, and we call that um, juice, but that's not to be confused with juice that's bought in a, in, a, in a supermarket that's at ambient temperature in like a can from, say, my good friends at Dole, like pineapple juice, for example. That's a very different kind of juice to a real extracted water from a live plant. And so what I did was I consumed for two months, um, exactly 60 days, uh, I didn't chew anything, I didn't eat anything, I just drank the juice or the water um, from plants. Um, I call it drinking water filtered through plants, actually, um, true, true micronutrient water. And, and then I, um, <coughs> I ate uh, a diet which was just fruits, vegetables, nuts, beans, seeds, and whole grains. Now, originally, Brett, my plan was to do uh, two years of, of eating um, this this sort of way. Uh, I figured that I'd done 20 years from kind of the age of 20 to 40 of really treating my body with no respect, you know, complete, complete like a toxic, you know, waste dump, if you like. The, the sort of food, um, the alcohol, the sodas, just the crap I was eating. Um, and and so, you know, when when I um, when I got sick uh, when I was thirty two, I, I this condition I had is called chronic urticaria angioedema. Now I doubt anyone out there's ever heard of that because it's kind of like a made up name, which is which is given for this thing called idiopathic. Now idiopathic means, you know, we, you've got something, we don't know what it is, we don't know where it came from, we don't know how to fix it, um, and we don't know how long you got it. That, that kind of describes idiopathic illness. Um, and so for me, it, 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 it manifested itself uh, on my skin and below my skin. So a quick lesson, when you get bitten by a mosquito, um, when that mozzie lands on your skin and sticks its beak into you, um, you have mast cells. You have these receptors that sort of act as this protection for your body. Because you can imagine if something breaks the seal of your body, 
um, you know, the cells are pretty. They, they, you've got this whole, this military defence system, if you like, that sort of says, "Hey, we've got a breach down there on the on the calf." So these what the, what happens is is when the when the when the mosquito puts the beak in and goes for the sting, the mast cells release histamine and they kind of localize that area if you like so that whatever came into the system can't spread and that's how you get the bump on your mosquito you, you, the bump from from your own body from your body is actually from your own body it's not from the mosquito it's your body's reaction to the bite and so that release of of histamine sort of floods the area and and dilates dilutes dilates i think is the word dilates the blood vessels makes them bigger and and localizes it well for me my body couldn't tell the difference between a breach of the skin or not therefore any sort of touch any pressure anything on my body was perceived as a breach so if you shook my hand just like a normal shake when you're greeting somebody if I was holding my groceries, if if I had a seat belt on across my chest, if I had my belt uh, for my trousers tied up too much, if I sat in a chair too long, I couldn't walk on walk on many surfaces without shoes. I, I could never walk barefoot anywhere. So there was all these problems. It was a disease of touch bread, and and of course. You know, when you go to a doctor with this, they pound you with... Um, and, and by the way, I've got nothing against doctors. I don't want anyone to think that I'm criticising medical people here at all because, you know, the, the, I come in with a problem. They give me medication, which was uh, 60 to 80 milligrams of prednisone um, to have it daily. And, 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 you know, and that helped me get through. So, so it was really important to note here, and I always talk about this, that, you know, for eight years I was on, you know, medications five or six a day. And that really enabled me to, to keep going. It didn't enable me to sort of look in the mirror and find out what was really wrong with me. That came later. But I was at least able to, to, to survive, keep going, you know, lead a, a life which was nowhere near what it had been like pre the disease. But, you know, I was able to sort of live at a 60%, 65% rate. You know, I couldn't play golf, couldn't lift, couldn't do tennis. Um, the only exercise I could do was swim. Uh, you know, many, many things I was, you know, couldn't hold a baby, couldn't lift luggage, couldn't, you know, I'm a big guy, I'm six foot two, uh, you know, people had asked me to help moving furniture, I couldn't do that, couldn't do any of those things, I just wasn't an, an, an able to touch or be touched. So, so this F40, when you've got pre-diabetes, you've got high cholesterol, you've got high blood pressure, you've got this illness going on, you're 325 pounds. Um, you're still smoking like a chimney. You're still drinking way too much beer and alcohol. You're eating a diet that's just completely processed and animal product based. You know that that's a wake up call, Brett. That's kind of like you know you look in the mirror and you're sort of you know this is when the sort of moment came to me. I mean, I didn't recognise who I was looking at. I, I didn't I didn't know who that person was looking back at me. I remember a fit, healthy, strong athlete at twenty. And I was thinking, wow, if if I've gone from twenty to forty, and that's how I look, I mean, how am I going to look at fifty or sixty, or am I going to make seventy? You know, the trajectory. I'm a, I'm an old finance guy. You know, I used to do the charts, and uh, I was a big chartist, technical analysis. Um, and uh, when you use when you use technical analysis, you're looking at what what data, what markets have done in the past, and you're trying to look at what they're going to do in the future by looking at support and resistance and patterns and 
my my support was strong my resistance level was infinity in terms of my weight loss so i was i was it, it, it scared the hell out of me and um and and that was when i that was when i made the decision that okay i've got a, i'm good at business i had like i think i had 11 companies that i sort of either started or angel invested in or you know that i was involved with and i was running around like a madman and i said you know what I've got to become the CEO of my own health. I've got to stop outsourcing the single most important thing in my life, which is my health. I've got to bring it back in. I've got to take control here. I've got to stop going to these people in white coats, handing over thousands of dollars and saying, you know, here, you fix me. I'll be back later. I'm busy with life, you know? And I guess that the most important thing I heard being a data-driven guy was that 70% of all disease is caused by lifestyle choices. 70%. Just think about that. You know, all the pain, or mate, mate. I'll tell you how big it is. If if you if you just take chronic disease for example, it, it represents eighty six percent of the total healthcare cost in the U.S. That's around two point eight six trillion dollars. Trillion. That's like fifteen to sixteen percent of the GDP of the whole nation, and that's just chronic disease. Okay, eighty six percent of all the money spent in healthcare on chronic illness and when you look at this that 70 percent of that is caused by lifestyle choices what we eat and drink how much exercise we do don't do whether we smoke or not how much connectivity and love is in our life um, how we manage stress uh, how good our sleep is or isn't um, you know they're the big six those six which which really contribute uh, massively to this number and you know look I, I get it you know, 30% of this disease is just bad luck, you know, wrong place, wrong time. Genetics, blame blame your grandparents, you know, or their grandparents. Um, but 70% on us, well, you know, being a trader and being a maths guy, I looked at this and said, well, they're pretty good odds that, that what I've got, I'm doing it to myself. So that's when I set about this idea of doing two years of sort of going complete opposite to what I had done when it came to what I was putting in my body. So I quit the smokes, I gave up the alcohol, gave up the sodas, um, and I went and did this two years. Now, the good news, Brett, is I didn't need to go two years, mate. Here's the thing, I did 60 days on juice and just three months of eating the plant food. So it was only really a five month, you know, jail term, if you like, <laughs> the, way, the way I was thinking about it. And um, I was, mate, I was, I was completely cured. I was not on any medication. I was over a hundred and about a hundred and ten pounds from the three twenty-five. I got down to two twenty was my low point. I sit now around two fifty, but I was around two twenty on my very low low point. And um, mate, it just you know changed my life. And of course, I captured all this on the movie, which was an afterthought. And um, and and then we pass it forward to some people who saw me, and I film. Um, a truck driver who, who who looks at what I did, and the rest is history, as they say. That's phenomenal. Um, so let, let's talk about the mental side of that. Well, we'll talk about the mental side in a minute, but you know, let's talk about battling not wanting to work out, battling you know wanting to eat burgers and fries. I was at my son's uh, baseball game this weekend, and you know I'm having my burger and fries, and it tasted phenomenal, and and all that stuff because it's easy doing one of the kids' games or kids' events. But what's the mental side like? What what advice would you have for someone who, in your words, wants to be the CEO of their own health? I mean, how do we take it to the next level? Yeah, it's a really good question, Brett. And I think that um, 
you know, for anyone listening right now, I think if I was sort of, you know, I spent a lot of time in America, spent a lot of time in the middle of the country uh, with my microphone and my camera and just pulling up to random people on the streets. Anyone who's seen my movies will know that's part of my style. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I've never met anyone, Brett, that doesn't know that fruits and vegetables are good for them. Okay? Like everybody knows this, mate. This is not an education problem of getting the awareness out of how, of how important these foods are for us. The, the real problem here is a practical application problem. It's, it's about, it's, we live in a world that is set up predominantly for us to fail when it comes to consuming the right types of food. It, it really is a very tough environment. Uh, you know, if you think about our history, and, and it's really important to understand our history, to understand how we fit into the modern day, and, and having that perspective uh, is very helpful. Now, I don't. Now, I know that a lot of Americans believe in creationism, and I respect that. You know, I'm an evolutionist of myself. So when I talk about um, the amount of time we've been here on this planet, you know, I talk in the terms of science that from the evolution theory. But even if you're someone who believes in creationism and you you believe in Adam and Eve, I mean, you know, fruits and vegetables were here before Adam and Eve, right? I mean, the garden was filled with produce. So I'm not. I don't care which side you come down. Plants were here before us. Now, if you go along, my, my, my thinking is that, you know, humanoids are around 5 million years old and Homo sapiens around 220,000 years old. And if you sort of just think that if the average, average human in our, in our sort of lineage was having a baby at, say, 20, which is probably old, but just to run, go with me with the numbers, you've got about twelve to 14,000 sets of grandparents that are Homo sapien. That's a lot of grandparents, if you think about it. Parents of parents of parents, you know, going back 14,000 times. And for all of those years, it's only really in the last sort of maybe five or six sets of grandparents that we haven't had famine, that we, that, you know, particularly the only the last probably one or two sets of grandparents, we've got this thing called processed food. So we live in this time right now where we don't have famine. We have feasts everywhere. Where Our history was about trying to get as many calories on board because we had no idea where, they, where the, we were going to get our next ones from. So the idea of, you know, you found a honeypot 1,000 years ago, Brett. Mate, you weren't letting anyone know about that honeypot, right? You, you, you memorize. Your, your body was able to look at every tree, every mountain, you know, forget GPS, you had the built-in visual of saying high-calorie honeypot over there behind that rock next to that tree. So that if you came across that area again, it would remind you predominantly of that food source, which really comes back to today when people ask me, you know, why is it, Joe, when I go to a certain town, I feel like eating a certain food, or when I'm in a certain environment, a certain food comes back, and I truly believe it goes back to that point I'm just I'm just sharing with you there that we have this built-in system to to really sort of get as many calories as you can on board now that's not everybody today because not everyone is wired that way emotionally but you know a good two-thirds of us really have this emotional connection to to food and we we manage our emotions and, and lots of other things in our life 
um, you know, we may not self-medicate with alcohol or with prescription drugs, but we do self-medicate with food, predominantly the sugars, the fats, the salts. Um, and, and so, you know, I can talk for hours about this and I won't because it'll, we'll just, it'll take all our time up, but predominantly it's very tough in today's world. So first of all, you've got to accept that. You've got to like be, be really kind to yourself and, and understand that, okay, you know, I'm not perfect and I live in an imperfect world and this world is set up where there's the most expensive real estate in the world is my stomach and all these corporations are going after it. You know, where you live, if you just get out of town instead of drive on any freeway in any direction, Brett, you're going to see food signs for, you know, you're going to see burgers, you're going to see pizzas, you're going to see amazing photos of sodas with ice and, you know, little droplets of water running outside the cool glass. And, you know, all these visuals, all these things are all designed and they do an incredible job to market us on making us feel hungry, feel thirsty, and wanting those comfort foods. Now, personally, you know, I have got nothing against those types of foods. I, I really don't. I, I don't. I don't view those foods as the enemy. I don't even view those foods as bad for me. I, I view them as luxuries. I view them as as like you know, they're what I call the fun part of town. They're, they're by no means the essential part of town. So when you went to the ball game yesterday and you had the, the burger and fries, you're there with your kid. Um, was it baseball that you went to? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, these are incredible moments in, in someone's life to be in a family environment with your kid, watching, you know, the next generation, everything pass forward, the most important thing in your life. Um, and you're enjoying it's a fun time and you enjoy burger and fries and I say knock yourself out I, I I don't see anything wrong with that at all because that really is the fun part of town the thing I would say is that you knew that game was coming up right this wasn't something that just all of a sudden came out of left field right pardon the pun so therefore you knew that when you woke up that morning that you were doing that so you could have had your green juice you could have had your micronutrient high vegetable wrap or salad um, for lunch if it was an evening game or if it was a lunch game you could have then planned to have a whole heap of plant-based foods for dinner you could have even had your saturday where you just ate a whole lot of plants because you knew you were having your burgers and fries so it's about making sure that we have the the um the the know-how the organizational skills the the self-love to ensure that we're getting the uh essential foods on board like you know i ask people with kids i haven't got any kids myself but i ask lots of people with kids you know what's the most important thing in your life and predominantly but you know what they say they say my kids well i I see i would disagree with that i would actually say the most important thing in your life is your health because if you don't have your health how can you be there for your kids you know If, if if you're if you you know keel over and have a heart attack next week What's that do for your kids? If you have a stroke next week and you're going to be in a wheelchair and you can, and you know, dad can't speak and needs to be fed, what's that do to your kids? How does that suck up their life and their time? And you get a chronic disease next week, and you know, you, you know where I'm going. Okay, so it's about priorities. It's about realizing and gaining perspective that actually your health is the most important thing in your life. 
It's more important than the bank account. It's more important than your loved ones, your kids. It's the single most important thing in your life. You only get one body. You only get one crack at this. And so for me, you know, I mean, I was the the, the, the head cheerleader for the what not to do. So I'm speaking from experience here um, that, you know, you know, it, it really comes down to love your plants and love yourself because that's what I just talked about. It's about having the knowledge and understanding that, you know what, I don't care what any meal that you love, if you put the effort in and you put the work in and you do the research and you do the trial and error, and yeah, it might cost you an extra few bucks at the beginning because you mess up. But, you know, I used to love chocolate milkshakes. Well, I can make a drink now with almond milk, with cacao, with dates, with bananas, um, with some kale and with some maca and chia seeds that'll knock your socks off better than any chocolate milkshake you'll ever, you'll ever taste. So I've created something that has filled the place for something that I used to love. I can create now a beet burger, which will hands down take on any, any beef burger. And, and, and it, while at that moment in time, it might be just a little bit under in taste. I guarantee you for the three hours afterwards, you'll actually feel better after my beet burger than you will after the hamburger, if that makes sense. You'll feel better about yourself. You'll feel better in your system. Your body will respond better. You'll know that you're treating self-love. You won't have the guilt afterwards, which is what many people have after they eat certain types of foods. So I think it comes with being organized. It comes with awareness. It comes with, you know, this is not something that you can just sort of like, oh, I listened to Joe on the podcast with Brett the other day, and yeah, my whole life's changed. No, it takes effort. It takes work. It's like anything, you know. If you want to if you want to get anything right, you know, you've got to put the effort in and you've got to start. But the little steps are love your plants, love yourself. I mean, this morning, Brett, across America, um, you know, I, I, it's sad to say, but, I, you know, over over half the people over the age of 35, I reckon, woke up this morning and looked in the mirror and sort of had this whole conversation about how fat, how ugly, what a loser, what a no-hoper, what a terrible person. And this is like the soft conversation that goes on when people wake up in the morning, standing there in their birthday suit, you know, on their own, looking in the mirror. That's not a great way to start your day, you know? So... So my tip to people who have those conversations who are very, you know, sickened by themselves is, you know, ring up or send an email out to three or four of your best friends. Um, ask them to put down two or three words um, that put, that, that make, that, that what they love about you as a person, you know. Ask, tell them you need it. Say you're asking for help. I really want something that some words that can really describe me because I'm trying to do some positive affirmation in my life. I'm trying to tell them what you're doing. You're trying to eat healthier. And uh, you'll be surprised what you get back. And then you write those down in little post-it notes and you put them up on the mirror in the bathroom so that next tomorrow morning when you go in, you're not berating yourself. You're reading what people love about you and what they think is amazing about you. Just that shift of mindset of starting your day like that You'll be surprised at the choices you'll then make when it comes down to breakfast to say, you know what, I love myself. I'm actually not going to go for the bagel and cream cheese. I'm actually going to go for that salad or that healthy smoothie or that juice or that, you know, oatmeal that um, I've done with almond milk or whatever it is that you, the mission, the plan you're on. And it, it, it builds momentum. It creates wind 
behind you and 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 that momentum to have your sails full it, it sure beats going into a headwind mate when when it's on the nose and it's real tough that's exactly right it never it never feels as good as you think it's going to when you eat it does it so it's like the picture wins in the menu every time so would you say what would you say to the person who wants to quit like who wants to just give up not doing this stuff but so how do you keep going how do you keep driving and stay with it every single day to continue to eat healthy uh, make the choices when it's not convenient uh, for your everyday life Well, I made it. See, see, to me, it wasn't about weight loss. That's the most important thing to understand. This was not, I didn't do this as a diet to lose weight. Yes, I ended up losing pounds, but it was more about getting off medication. Okay, it was about, it was about living. It was about ensuring that I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, die way before I should. So that fear, that understanding that, you know, I've really got to get on top of this and you know I can quit at any time I want but how am I going to feel after I quit how is it going to be if I go you know what is that burger or is that pizza is that worth it am I reduced to this situation where I'm actually going to give up on my whole life and health for maybe five minutes of enjoying a pepperoni cheeseburger you know I'm sorry pizza pepperoni pizza um, I'm sure there is pepperoni cheeseburger somewhere in this country, but but I'm sure there is. But um, I think you understand my logic. Now, it took me a while to get to this place. This wasn't something I just woke up after my 40th birthday and started the next day. You know, I did a year's work of thinking what I'm going to do. So I really prepared mentally. I was I was hardened. I was ready. I was, I was excited. I was looking forward to it. So I, I put a lot of of uh, weight on this um in a sense i told friends i explained so i had pressure on me coming from all areas i and that's where the film idea came later so i even had a camera on myself which even you know today's world with the way phones are and they're all every every phone is a video camera everybody can do what i did you can all film your own experience you can put it out on youtube you can tell your friends you're doing this you don't need to spend lots of money but i was accountable and so so and I and and I also I didn't do it then, but I say this to people now is that you know if you said to me, Brett, look, Joe, I want to I want to do this next Sunday, and I've given this a lot of thought, I've done all the preparation, and I want to go you know sixty days on juice next Sunday. Well, I'd say, Brett, you know, knock yourself out, mate. You know, you do it if you think you need it. Then you know you're you're the you're the person in the driver's seat. But what I would say to you is to close the door, go into a room and get your iPhone on or your whatever phone you got and do a self-video to yourself, record yourself and tell yourself why you're doing this so that when the times get tough, you can pull that video out and watch yourself and listen to the reasons you're doing it. So the pre-journey Brett is talking to the journeyman Brett because we tend to forget um, the pain, the suffering that we're going through and why we're trying to make these changes. And so to use technology in that way to take the past and bring it into the present so that it becomes real for you, they're, they're amazing ways to push through. 
so that's the that's the mental side but then when you understand the physical side and you know you get into the understanding of exactly what's going on in your body when we do this when you realize that that military i talked about earlier you know you've got the best military in the world inside you brett i can tell you right now you've got your own air force your navy you've got a marine corps you've got you've got an infantry you are mate you're on fire inside your body you've got this incredible um, military system but i tell you what if you don't give them the right supplies they can't fight the fight right they can't they can't do their thing and when you load up purely on macronutrient food which is carbohydrate fat and protein which is found in all foods but you know predominantly you won't find many micronutrients which is the vitamins minerals phytochemicals phenolic acids all sorts of different tens of thousands of different types of food you won't find those in the processed and animal product you'll find those in the plant food so what we need to do is is put the macro and the micro in but the average american is getting about 19 calories of macro and just one calorie of micro that's the kind of the ratio now we need that to be you know, at least 50-50 to get ourselves back to back on track. So that doesn't mean that you can't have your uh, your burger and fries. It doesn't mean that. that that's like to, to try and go extreme, I think, is a mistake. I think for many people, you need to go extreme in the beginning. Like you need to go extreme at the beginning for, for, for those sorts of personality types because it resets you, it reboots you, it brings you back on track. It, you sort of get quick results. You realize just how amazing you can feel. But then, over time, you then find your balance, you know. Two kids on a seesaw, they're not going to go straight to balance. They're going to go up and down before they find that equilibrium. Well, that's great feedback. Uh, so here, we're going to play a game now. We're gonna, uh, I just made this game up. We're going to call it the excuse game because I think those listening at home, uh, no matter what they're doing, I think we all have excuses in our life, right? Number one, it, it's hard to juice. It's It's hard to eat healthy. It's hard to exercise. It's it's hard to get back on track. You know, not only for health, but for our life and our own energy. This is this is all makes sense, right? But we get in our own way. We don't like mornings. We're busy with kids' work, or busy with kids. We're busy with work. Um, you know, crazy lives. What challenge would you give us, or what advice would you give us? Yeah, well, I think that you know all those things are true, and they're all excuse me, they're all very real. I mean, they are they are. Um, you know, in many cases, I, I I don't know whether they're even excuses. They're actually realities. That's life, you know. And and so, I probably stop start. I'd start by stop by stop calling it an excuse. I'd I'd start by stop calling foods healthy and unhealthy. And I'd start by stop calling foods good and bad for me. I think that's that's you know, there there is some very low hanging fruit that we can do that don't require time i talked about earlier the the self-love on the mirror okay um there's no excuse for anyone putting post-it note on a mirror in their bathroom you know that everything you just said then nothing comes into that all right i mean you know if you can't afford post-it notes or go and borrow some you know go into any store and just knock off four or five of them okay i mean i mean you can find a way to get those up mindset the the focus i mean when we when we when we divide our food into what's good and bad for us which is what most people do they are putting the bad foods um they're they're labeling the bad foods are generally the foods they love the most you know 
the cookies, the fries, the, the processed food, the breads, the refined carbohydrates, the refined sugars, all of that is what we put into this, you know, what's bad for us. But that's predominantly what most Americans, and for that matter, where I am right now in England, what most people here eat, and then where my home country, Australia, Western world, you know, like I said earlier, 19 calories out of 20 coming from the uh, the animal and processed world. So I'm in London right now, yeah, yeah. I'm, no, no, it's just, just you know, the Western world, pretty much the same. I mean, I mean, I, I guess the portion sizes in America are bigger. Um, you have more, you have more variety of, of fast food, what we call quick service restaurants, than anywhere else in the world. So, you know, I mean, America is still, America still is is um, is leading the way. Not so much in obesity rates, because you know, if you go to obesity rates per capita. Believe it or not, French Polynesian islands down there in the South Pacific is where you'll find the most obese people as a percentage of, of population. And and I read the other day that China's got more obese people than America, simply because the amount of the amount of population there, right? But on a on a on a on a nation of of sort of where the media is at and focus, the US is probably gets probably gets pretty hard done by in some areas. Um, you know. Your diabetes problem you've got in the U.S. You're, you're leading the way in terms of percentage of of um, of, of diabetes um, when you when you add the diabetics plus the pre. I mean, you know, one in three Americans is either diabetic or pre-diabetic. I mean, that's a that's a pretty dangerous you know epidemic if you if you ask me. I mean, your your healthcare system is just going to crumble. I mean, it's it's already in in tatters, but it. it I say this a lot, you know, forget about ISIS, forget about everything else. The biggest threat to national security of the U.S. is the health of the people. And I mean that, honestly. I mean, you know, no one likes to see this terrorism going on and these, you know, innocent people out on a Saturday night in London being shot in a restaurant or what they were knifed here in, in London and blowing up at an Ariana Grande concert. I mean, it's terrible. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to downsize that at all, but... You know the amount of death and pain and suffering that's going on in the healthcare system because of the way people are eating and uh, and and uh, the the pressure that is building on the society that is going to cause lots and lots of pain. I mean that's where the real threat is because you know the nation could, could go broke, right? So, but that's a whole that's a whole other podcast, Brett. We can spend hours talking about that. I think I was sort of going to the excuses and the low hanging fruit, and so. You know, I think it comes with this idea of of working out, um, you know, just ways to slowly bring it about. You know, you know, it's it's I, when you're speaking generally to everybody, it's very difficult just to come up with like, oh, everyone should do this or everyone should do that because that's all crap. That doesn't work. I mean, you know, people know these things are good for them. It's not about the knowing; it's about the doing. So, you know, it's coming up to summertime now, and if we go down to the local pool, um, the local public pool, Brett, what, what do you notice about people when they get out of the water? Well, they're wet, aren't they, right? That's the first thing you notice. When, when they get out of the pool, they're wet, okay? So the question is, how did they get wet? There was only two ways for them to get wet, wasn't there? They either jumped in or they walked in, okay, to the pool. So... I look at people who are in a healthy state, you know, where they've where they're not broken. 
how did they get there? Did they jump in or did they walk in? And so I'm someone who jumped in. I'm someone who did something drastic. I went hard. I went early. I went bang. Not everybody's like me. Others will want to slowly bring things into their life, changes, small changes. And both results will end up with us wet. Whether you jump in or walk into the pool, you'll get wet. So that's an important point to realize. You've got to ask yourself, are you someone that needs to make drastic action or are you someone who can just make small changes? What's going to work best for you? And don't, don't do, don't try and jam a square peg in a round hole. I think, yeah, I think also that, that you know, this is something else we're learning about um, the health of people is that a lot of these foods that we we mark down, as I was saying earlier about, you know, good for me and bad for me, we're going to eat those foods. And when we eat the foods that we think are bad for us, we're going to go into this self, you know, loathing, critical, oh, I'm a loser, I'm a failure, I had, I had some chocolate ice cream, so I may as well go in there and finish the whole bucket now, right? Because I'm, I'm so terrible. So there's a lot of berating and there's a lot of there's a lot of this is caused from our own mental perspective of ourselves. So I think that momentum is a key player here. You know, really pushing, um, like keeping a diary of you know today I had two meals today that were all plant based and I had one meal that wasn't. That's good. That's a win. That's great. You know, wow, wow. If I can keep this up, this is fantastic. Rather than saying oh my God, I had a cookie today and how terrible am I when you're not focusing at perhaps the salad you had and the smoothie you had and the juice you had. You know what I mean? It's, it's you know, and, and we, we I, I think a lot of women, men, men not, men yes, but women are very self-critical of themselves in, in many areas. Um, and, and I think this, this really plays um, in the food game as well um, for lots and lots of women. And so we've got to really, be kind to ourselves. We've got to be. We've got to really just realize that the the bigger picture and the bigger perspective is, is that you know our body can handle an Oreo. It's not going to kill us. One Oreo, one Oreo will not kill us. But if Joe decides to live on Oreos for the next two years, I'm going to get very sick, and I'm going to get very sick. Not because the Oreos did it to me. It's because of what I left out. It's because of what I didn't eat. It's not the Oreos that are making me sick. The Oreos is a luxury. The Oreos is salt and sugar and fat. That's what the Oreo is. It's a combination. It's a. It, it creates a a um, wild sensation in a, what's called a bliss point in my brain with the amount of dopamine that's explored and synopsis in my brain. Give me this little pleasure, bang, little pleasure moment. When I have the combination of that sugar, fat, and salt. If, if in the Oreo company they, they put too much salt in the batch, we'd hate Oreos. Ah, oh, terrible. But they've got it right. They've spent millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars on the science, and they've spent billions of dollars on the marketing. So the Oreo as itself is not the enemy. It's what you don't put into your body what you don't love yourself with, how you sort of turn your back on Mother Nature. So that's on the food side of things. On the exercise sides of things, Brett, well, mate, if I had all that worked out, I'd, you know, I'd tell you. But to be honest, you know, I reckon the exercise one is hard. It's hard for me. You know, I, I find that if I don't look at my emails on my phones, I can exercise better than if I do. So I try that, but I'm not always perfect at that. 
I think incidental exercise is something that we can all benefit from. You know, when you go to a mall, you know, we, we drive around for 10 minutes looking for the closest park to the mall. Why not drive as far away from the mall in the car, car park as possible where there's lots of spots and use that 10 minutes you were driving around for incidental exercise. If you're in the mall, don't use the elevator or escalator. Use the stairs. Just Just be aware. Like I was at the airport yesterday in Toronto before I flew to London here and you know, there's there's these walking walkways that you see. All these people, they just jump on these walkways, they just stand there. It's like, you're about to get on a plane for 10 hours. Just walk. And I, I mean, I'm a member of every lounge in the world, and I don't go to these lounges unless I need Wi-Fi or I've got to charge my battery. But I spend the hour and a half at an airport walking before I get on a flight because I'm going to be sitting down for the next X many hours. So there are just little... Just little things. <clears throat> you don't need to have the washboard stomach. You don't need to, you know, be the bikini body on Instagram, which gets you know hundred thousand likes. That's not. That's not what health is. To me, health is being able to do the things you want to do with ease. It's about mentally having the right mindset about loving yourself, and it's about going to your doctor and getting those numbers where the doctor does your analysis on your blood, on your on your cardiovascular system, on your blood supply and the pressure of your of your um, blood system and tells you yep Joe uh, you're in good shape mate you know you're in the you're in the range that we like to see you for your age and so they're kind of the three ways that I define uh, what being healthy is that's perfect uh, you know so much of what you're talking about is in our own control it's it's our own body and and yet we do it to ourselves but so let's talk about the day. So you're in London right now. As we record this, you're going to be running around all sorts of meetings. You know, I've got seven to eight meetings today. I mean, how do I choose to eat healthy and get the right snacks instead of just grabbing a quick bite? I mean, how do you do that? What's your day like? How do you set it up for success? Yeah, so it's a good question. And um, so, you know, it is. it depends once again. If I was talking to you, Brett, I know that you've got your own uh, firm, you know, I mean, do you go to an office every day or are you actually on the road more than in an office? Right, so so you've got like um, this, this thing I don't have, which is you've got routine. So it's, you know, it's, it's in, in a sense, you know, I crave routine because I'm on the road all the time. I'm in different cities all over the place. And so when you've got routine, that means, you know, that you could get a delivery of, you know, fresh pressed juice from the local bar. You could have that in the refrigerator. You could get a uh, Vitamix or a blender in or something like that and get some almond milk with a whole bunch of superfoods and some fresh kale and some ice and blend up. You know, once, once we know the how of what to do, like the actual creation of these things, you actually start to crave them more than you would the the snacks that you've previously on it's it's quite incredible it's it's not so much that you eating healthy is a chore or you don't like it it's just a matter of being shown and i i actually say this brett i think the biggest problem in america right now and and you know i've given this a lot of thought and this is my country as well so when i say america i mean i say australia and the biggest problem in the western world is that we have all these kids leaving school they've learned you know geography they've learned algebra they've learned english they've learned all these things but they haven't learned how to make 10 really healthy plant-based meals they've got no idea how to do that when i would put 
I don't care what it is that they learn at school. That would be the single most important thing, in my humble opinion, is to learn how to make 10 meals where you walk into a produce section of any supermarket and you can pull you know, 15 things off a shelf where you go home with what we call ingredients, which is kind of like forgotten about in today's world. Yes, you actually go home with ingredients. You spend 10, 15 minutes, you chop, you boil, you saute, whatever it is, your preparation, steam, whatever it is, and you make a meal that you actually love, that you feel good about, and that's good for you. So that, that, that there is a massive problem right there because I know so many people who go into their local market, they go into their local Kroger, they go into their Whole Foods, they go wherever they go, whatever socioeconomic level they are. They walk in with the best intentions, they stand there, they see 50 different types of green vegetables, they see all of these different types of grains and beans and seeds and they're like, I have no idea what to do here. I have I've got zero idea and they walk over to the frozen section and they put the same old <clears throat> cans and f- cardboard box food not ingredients in their cart and they go home dejected so starters very much about having the the knowledge of what to do and how to do it so that's one second thing I'd say is that is that um, if, you, if you've got calendars and you've got like meetings, you've got stuff planned, then it's kind of not that difficult to, if you've got to go to a business lunch or business dinner, to sort of find some of the local restaurants or cafes that sort of focus on the more essential part of town food that I like, and even introduce some of the clients to that and say, hey, listen, you know, why don't we go and have a really good conversation about you know your your finances and let's at the same time let's give your cells the best micronutrients we can so we can you know really do two things really good for you so kind of promote it without being a preacher without sort of without sort of telling people what to do just suggest ideas and <clears throat> that sort of a thing um, and I think reading and knowledge and and like you know when you're driving I assume you drive to and from work how long is your commute for example. Well, I'm lucky. I've, I've got about seven minutes, but we do have offices around the city and we bounce around in the car here and there. So uh, yeah, I'm lucky though. And I have normal, normal office days. Right. So lots of people are in their car or on, a, on, on public transport. There are so many amazing podcasts um, these days. I mean, we're doing one right now and that, that you can listen to about nutrition and about ways to, um, to hack your life in this sort of respect that, you know, people may not resonate with what I'm saying, but there are people out there that I'm sure they will. And so it really comes down to putting that effort and working pre-tomorrow. Because if you just leave it all up to tomorrow, like I'm just going to wake up tomorrow and just see what happens. I talked about it earlier in the, in the in our chat that, you know, this world is set up for us to fail. It is set up. There is, I mean, you go and get, you know, fuel for your car. You would go and get gas, right? I mean, there's gas there for you, and what is it? It's processed food. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't know too many gas stations you can walk into and get a beetroot burger. Do you? No. But you can go in and get, like, you know, donuts and soda and ice cream and confectionery and, you know, all of that. So this is candy, and I think you guys call it candy. We call it lollies. But, you know, that's that's <laughs> something that it's we it's designed everywhere we go. So we just... 
you know, we just need to be we need to be prepared. We need to have consciousness. If you if you walk around in a semi-conscious state, you'd be surprised how many calories you're just going to consume. So a, a certain amount of awareness is really critical when it comes to um, protecting. And then over time, it becomes habitual, and then it becomes easier. So I want to make sure that everyone understands this that. It becomes easier over time. I'll, I'll be going to U- Europe on holidays in a couple of weeks, and I'll be going down to a place I love called Saint-Tropez. I don't know if you've ever been there, Brett. It's in the French, the, the south, south of France. <clears throat> and there's an ice cream shop there called Barbarac, and it's one of my favorite gelato places. So a few years back, um, you know, I said, right, I'm on holidays. I'm going to go and have gelato every night. This was when I was having gelato maybe once every three weeks, right? But I'm on holidays, Brett. I'm going to have it every night. So after dinner, I go down. I get my gelato on the first night and loved it. Second night, I had it. It wasn't so great, but I enjoyed it. Third night, I didn't actually enjoy having it because by the time I woke up on the fourth day, I felt like crap. I didn't feel good. I didn't feel my normal self. I was blocked up. I just, just, you know, just didn't feel good. So... Even though I had a leave pass, I'd said to myself, I'm going to have this gelato every night. Night four, night five, night six, night seven, I didn't have it. I didn't want it. Now, if someone had told me that 10 years ago, that my own body was going to sort of protect myself and and stop myself from going overboard on certain what I call fun part of town foods, I would have said they've got rocks in the head. But the reality is, is that with practice and over time, your body will help you stay on that track. You're right. The body shuts itself down. It's it's crazy how that works. But uh, let's switch gears here. Let's let's go to the business side. I know you're a very successful entrepreneur, sure. uh, businessman in Australia, and and now you live the life traveling the world. You're helping people. But let's talk about your brand. How does a guy go from a guy that's got this juicing idea? We turn it into a documentary, and now it turns into a global brand. I mean, that that's just amazing to me. How do you do that? Yeah, I, I wish I knew. I wish I could. I wish I could bottle that. And, and <laughs> yeah, I know you're like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, well, look, I. <clears throat> I, mean, I go to Best Buy. I go to buy my juicer, and there you are. Your picture is all over it. Yeah, no, I think. Yeah, well. <clears throat> So, yeah, so, look, I think for starters, um, and I think, you know, if you, if you deal with a lot of successful people and, you know, in your line of work, Brett, you probably do, and I'm assuming the people who listen to this podcast are more of a higher socioeconomic category than the people that I normally talk to, say, in, uh, in the Walmarts and Costcos and Targets across the country. And I, and I think that this word luck, you know, plays a huge role. And luck, you know, you've got to define what luck is um, because people have different interpretations of what luck is. You know, going out and buying a lottery ticket and winning, a, you know, $100 million, well, yeah, that's one kind of luck. But there's the other kind of luck that I sort of think about, which is, you know, putting yourself in a position to get lucky. So, so you know, there's an old saying which I love, which is lady luck follows a person of action. So I really do believe that if you stay at home, pull the drapes, close the door, you know, hide under the bed sheets, and you do that for the next year, well, you can't expect a lot of good things to happen to you, right? But if you get out there, and if you live a true life, a real life, you be honest with yourself and honest with the world, that shines through to people. People in today's world 
um, where there's a lot of bullshit, you know, out there. There's a lot of there's a lot of falsehoods. You know, there's not a lot of 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 people telling the truth today, from leadership through corporations, you know, all the way down. If you find someone that you just think calls it as it is and really speaks to the truth, we can't help but as being human beings to gravitate towards that type of personality because that gives us hope. That's what that's that's hope right there. So anybody out there that's that's trying to put themselves in a position to get lucky to improve it starts with being really honest you've got to be super super honest with yourself and with those around you even if the truth hurts even if even if you've got to share something that you're not proud of because you'll gain respect for it in the long run you might go two steps back to begin with but in the long run it will it will help you so I've always believed that. Um, you know, Gary Player, I'm a golfer. Brett, I don't know if you play golf, but Gary Player, fantastic South South African golf player. And he hit this incredible shot. This is about 25 years ago, I think, and came around a tree and bent it back. And, you know, just one of these magic shots where the, the reporter said, you know, geez, Gary, you were lucky with that shot today. And he said, you know, I find that the more I practice, the luckier I get. And... I really believe that, that luck plays a huge role. And the way that I'm defining luck is I got lucky about Netflix. You know, if Netflix wasn't in the streaming zone that it was, you know, it was still back in the red envelopes. If I'd made this movie 10 years earlier, it wouldn't have got the traction. It wouldn't have been seen. If I'd made the movie now, it would have been harder to get on Netflix. It was just the right time, right place, the right sort of thing. The stars aligned. So... I will say I got lucky with that. But, you know, I've, I've been doing business all my life. I've been working hard. I've been trying hard. I've had many failures, you know, so, some successes. But most of my stuff's been failures. And, and uh, you know, that's that's how it goes. That That's, that, that's life. So I, if I knew... Yeah, I think the one thing is, is the grit, right? It's the grit, the hard work, the dedication, the determination. I mean, people listening to this yeah. podcast, they get that. Um, I just had this discussion with somebody last week, I think it was, and we're, and we're talking about the human body, how it really only goes to the level that it needs to go to. So if somebody needs to make X amount of dollars to survive, most of the time they're going to survive or they're going to they're gonna produce to that number. Right. So what would you tell someone what it takes to go to the next level? What, what is it that they want to, to get to that extra gear? I mean, besides hard work and grit, what other advice would you give them? Uh, visualization. I, I would truly, truly believe it. Like, like we are our own worst enemy. You know, you talk about the highway of life. We create our own speed humps. That's what we do. We set up barriers for ourselves to fail. The only, the only real thing holding each and every one of us back is ourselves. I truly believe that. So <clears throat> visualization of the success of, of, of really putting that, you know, once, once, you've done, once you've done the hard work, okay, let's just, let's just categorize what you said. Like, you know, I'll do it in my language of the way I think is that, you know, once you once you take the risk. So first of all, there's got to be a risk. And if you want to go to the next level, you got to take a risk. You, nothing in this life is it without risk reward. Okay. So 
So you've got to be able to have those that that risk appetite. Um, then you've got to have the true grit. You know, the incredible sacrifice, the dedication, the real the real effort. And then the third thing, which I think goes a long way, is passion. If you're not passionate about it, it ain't going to work. If he, if the end goal is purely about numbers in a bank account, that ain't going to work. You've got to be passionate about it. And then I think the overlay on all of that is you need the luck for the thing to go to the moon. But, you know, you don't, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to go to the moon for it to be successful, you know? So besides the eating healthy stuff, Joe, what are some of the, your business habits, your personal habits? What are your rituals to help you stay motivated, stay inspired every single day to go out and, and fight the good fight and do the things that you're doing to build your brand every single day and to help people across the world? Well, I mean, I give myself, I mean, I'm, I'm very, you know, like I give myself plenty of Joe time. I mean, I don't, I don't overcommit myself. I try to, you know, block, you know, time out. Like I took Saturday out and I didn't want to speak to anyone on the phone. I didn't want to do anything. I just, I walked around Toronto. I did like, you know, 12 mile walk over five hours, just chilled, you know, just out investigating, turning down this street, turning down that street. Looking in here, looking in there, meandering along, listening to... I, I listened to an album from Coldplay, an album from U2. Sometime I didn't listen to anything. And, you know, it was it was a very cathartic just walk around a, a, a city I don't know very well and just enjoy world, enjoy nature, just be observant around me. So so this this gratefulness, this this time out, that that is that is super important in our lives. Um I think uh, if people are into meditation, I think that can be really powerful to to meditate and to really look at, at calming the brain down and 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 doing some work on that. I think that the honesty part is is key. You know, keeping it real, keeping it true. Uh, I think that um, reading and learning and and trying to learn something new. My grandmother said, Joe, you've got two ears and one mouth. You should always listen twice as much as you talk. And I think that's really good advice. So so listening to people. You know, it's how you calibrate your success too. I mean, you know, if, if I wanted to calibrate my success on a financial, um, you know, scale of, of money in the bank, you know, I really shouldn't have done what I did 10 years ago. If I'd stuck with what I was doing 10 years ago in terms of building the wealth and focusing, I'd have a lot more money than I have today. But I don't know where my health would be, Brett. I don't even know if I'd still be here, mate. You know, so so I don't necessarily measure everything by money. I mean, I I probably have the least amount of possessions that I've ever had in my lifetime, and um, I'm 50 now, right? And and I used to have houses and cars and boats and suits and watches and all this sort of stuff. I mean, I still kept the watches because, you know, that's like a personal thing, which I, I, I've got them locked up at my parents' place back in Sydney, um, and only because of sentimental value, not because of, of value of, of, of financial. I mean, I honestly can roam around the world for a year in, with two suitcases. Um, you know, I've got big feet, so I need one for my bloody shoes, my trainers. But if I, did, if I had small feet, I could get it all into one suitcase. So... You know, and, and I think there's something to be said about that kind of, of, of 
understanding that materialism really can be something that can be a be an anchor and a weight on us so i'm not saying everyone just go and give your money away but i think it's important to understand what's true and real and that you know your kids your health your friends your memories your laughs i mean not too many people, Brett, if you go and interview them on their deathbed, say, oh, I sh- should have spent some more days in the office. You know, <laughs> I should have I should have done that. Y- y- you know what most people actually say they should have done? No, no, it's, no, no. It, 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 Well, you know, it's actually, you know what they say? More time. Should have taken more risks. That's what most people say on their deathbed. Should have taken more risks. And that's not financial risk. That's just risks in life, emotional, whatever it is, you know. So I think that um, I think that there's a lot to be said for um, a recalibration of, of what's important, and uh, I think if you get to my age um, of around 50, um, you know I look at my life as I'm being sort of halfway. I, I think I'll easily make 100, if not longer, but that's just how I am. So I kind of think I've got a lot of living to do. Um, I'm sort of I see 50 as sort of like the middle part of my life, and so I, it's like I'm setting up habits now and things where I really do think about how that's going to set me up for when I'm 75, you know. I'm looking after my knees now for later. Perfect. So are you a big fan of a bucket list? I mean, so do you have a – does Joe Cross have a bucket list? Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I, I don't have one, but I know what it means, and I kind of have – I kind of just see things, and then I go, yeah, I'll, I want to do that, and I do that, but I don't really have a long list, no. So what's next on your bucket list? You know, I was asked this question the other day that, you know, if you could sort of sit down and work out the next 20 years of your life, what do you, what do you want to do? And I would say that, you know, I'm a storyteller. That's what I sort of, you know, I describe myself. What People say, what do you do for a living? If I sat next to you on a plane, Brett, I'd say I'm a storyteller. You know, I make content, whether it's books or, or, uh, or movies, uh, you know, write or, or get on speeches or podcasts like this. I mean, I, I tell stories. And so I want to keep telling stories. I mean, the most effective way I would love to tell a story is get a TV show that's on, you know, 15 to 20 episodes a week on a national TV show, which is all about happiness. And I've got some ideas on on, on happiness and how important that is and just finding out ways that we can be happier, um, that we can be more fulfilled. So if you sort of said to me, what's the dream, Joe? I'd say, Brett, mate, the dream is that I get a TV show that I can spend the next 20 years of my life roaming around the world, investigating and, and talking to people about happiness and health and, 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 and mental and physical wealth um, and, uh, and sharing that with the world and making the world a better place. That would be, that would be what I'd say is next. That, 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 would, that would tick a lot of things off my bucket list. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. I would definitely tune into that. Um, so what's the single most important decision that you've made that you think has really truly helped you uh, with your success, whether that's the business world that you had as an entrepreneur in Australia or the world you live now, traveling, helping people with the health, uh, the health foods and, the, and taking care of themselves? What's the single most important uh, decision that you've made? That's a tough one. If I, if I go back into my life, <clears throat> if I go back into my life and I think about my success, I, I, would, I never went to college. Uh, so that was a big decision for me to not go back to school, like high school, to get a grade to go in. I'm really glad I didn't do that. Um, I think listening to my parents um, was a really important part of my life. I think 
looking at role models and choosing that. But if I had to sort of put it down to today, like, you know, what would be the decision today? I would have to say that the decision probably to change my, change what what went into my body because I may not be here. So like, if you think about like that way, I could have had a heart attack and died. So that would therefore be a pretty big, that'd be a, you have to say that's a pretty big change, right? We don't know that. Um, I don't drink alcohol anymore, and I think that's been a good thing. I was never an alcoholic or anything. I never, but I just find that having mental clarity is really powerful, and and you know just that kind of thing has been helpful. So, so I've never been asked that question. It's a good question, Brett. If I had to go down to one one decision, but you know, oh look, I, I, if I had to sort of look at it as a business decision. I, I founded a company in um, 1994 and it was a financial services business and I sold it in 2007, right before the economic crisis. And and I sold it not because I thought the economic crisis would be as deep and as big, but I did see, I, I, I saw a problem coming and it took me a year to get all my ducks in a row to make that sale. And that was a really important thing for me to do, like to to get that done that would that propelled me to go forward because if I didn't do that the business that I if I'd owned it another year you know it would have would have been worth next to nothing so that was a pretty big choice that you know something I I'd owned and and it was an identity it was part of who I was that I let that go and people were saying how can you do that you know and there was this very it was very non-emotional to me I mean I don't I don't get attached to things you know my mum loves homes and houses and you know they got a beach house and they could never sell it I, I don't I never look at things like that I mean to me these things are all disposable you know the thing that's not disposable is your health and the, your loved ones that's that's it apart from that everything else is you know disposable I like it. I like it, Joe. So where can our listeners find more of Joe Cross? Well, they can go to rebootwithjoe.com. They can um, check me out on Instagram, and uh, they can go to Netflix and put um, – on Instagram, I'm at Joe the Juicer. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter at Joe the Juicer. And on uh, on Netflix, you can put my name, Joe Cross, into the search bar, and it'll come up. On iTunes and – that's uh, that's where they can get more of me. I think, Brett. Yeah. If if after this hour and bit they, they want any more, <laughs> they might have had enough by now, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all phenomenal stuff, my man. Um, so here we are. We're gonna put all that stuff in the show notes on where you can where we can find Joe. But if you go to reboot with Joe, you can actually find all sorts of great stuff. I mean, there's recipes, there's exercises, there's um, there's juicing, there's smoothie recipes. All that stuff is right there. Great spot for those of you again. Reboot with Joe. Go check it out. Oh yeah, we got. I mean, we got that. We got that on apps. I mean, we've got we got lots of stuff on that. In um, you know, look, I've tried my best. You know, whether rightly or wrongly, I've put a lot of content out for free, thinking that you know I'm building a brand and we're just going to keep going. And you know, I hope to you know I'll come back in five years' time, Brett, and I can tell you all the things we've done in the you know in the, in the next five that 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 um that I'm excited about doing because look, I think there's a big movement out there of people wanting to consume more plant food more fruits vegetables nuts beans and seeds we've got to work out ways to move the dial and uh you know what i'm building in my company is 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 ways to help people all join together in a community to make it easier to uh to dial up your micronutrient intake because the um 
the proof's in the pudding. You know, you'll be happier, you'll live longer, you'll be, you'll, you'll just, you'll just feel, feel overall better, and um, you won't be uh, sick. And you know, people, who wants to be sick? No one wants that. Well, Joe, you're doing tremendous work, my friend, and I just really appreciate you taking the time. Um, you know doing what you're doing, serving people out there, and, and really just really appreciate your time for uh, giving it to our listeners and being on the Circuit of Success podcast. Greatly appreciated. Uh, best of luck to you and your world travels. Safe travels, my friend. Thanks, Brad. That's very kind, mate, and all the best, and juice on. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 